All right. Welcome back, world. Uh, my name is Sig Safner. To my left is the always stunning Matt Gondner. We're America's sweethearts. And today we have a very special guest. He's a good friend of mine. He can deadlift about 400,000 pounds. He can squat almost 200,000. And he can bench press your house. Um, hailing from Irma, South Carolina, Mr. Creighton Taylor. Creighton, thanks uh, for coming on the show. Yeah, no problem, man. Yeah, we really appreciate having you. So you said you've been reading a bunch of Leviticus and just been thinking a lot about religion during this quarantine. So you want to just sort of give us a little bit of an intro into what you've been thinking or what you've been reading? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I've just been uh, taking some of the time that we've had sitting around doing nothing to uh, really delve into reading the Bible some more. I feel like that's something I really uh, started letting go of in college. So I was trying to get back into, you know, yeah. and so I was uh, starting from Genesis and uh, just reading all the way through and I got to Leviticus and Leviticus is like the book of ancient Jewish laws, right? That they had for back before even Jesus time, like thousands, thousands of years ago. And it's weird because I feel like this is a big contention in modern Christianity because we're still supposed to follow most of them. Right. But and uh, particularly the verses that I was reading that kind of made me get on this train of thought was um, the ones that are pretty highly contentious, in the, especially the Christian community, about gay marriage. And uh, that whole, I mean, that's kind of like a loaded topic in itself. Yeah. But um, uh, it just got me thinking that a lot of people just don't know about, like, really the specifics of it. And I'm not, like, a really deep theologian myself. But looking more into it, I realized we've kind of let, and I, I'm assuming, I know you, you're a Christian, Sig, but are yeah. you, Matt? Yeah, I'm Christian. Okay. Catholic. Okay, yeah, I just want to make, didn't want to assume. But, um, so I feel like as Christians, we've allowed non-Christians to dominate the conversation about what we can believe, what our beliefs are supposed to mean, which I've always thought was kind of weird considering, I mean, you don't even believe what you're, you know, you're quoting to me and yeah. trying to make it some big point against um, my faith or other people's faith. So um, I think a lot of people nowadays have really just let themselves be dominated by this conversation. And I don't want to say they have a weaker faith for it, but they do. I mean, a lot of people, it's just become, and I know you guys live up north, so this is kind of different from here in the south, but here in South Carolina, like 80 to 90 percent of the population here, if you ask them if they were Christian would say they were, but if, then if you looked at like how they lived or what they did, or if they went to church, the number would go down dramatically, you know, with each kind of filter you added onto it. Yeah. Obviously no one's perfect, but many, many people here, it's more of a cultural thing than uh, a religious thing compared to up North where you guys live. I mean, um, I'd say it's le not less culturally acceptable, but it's more of like, if you actually believe it, you know, yeah. people just aren't Christians for funsies. And it's, it's more normalized. Yeah, it's more normalized to be an atheist or a different religion. Yeah. So I feel like um, since it's so culturally acceptable, it's easier to just say you are, to not fit in, but just be, I guess, the standard down here, right? I mean, it's the South. Everybody's Christian. So the problem with that, though, is that many of these people say it, but then they just don't live it. Yeah. 
Go back like 30 seconds. We are we cut, out, cut out like a good 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. wait. So you were just talking about how it was more normalized in the South to just sort of culturally be Christian? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so more normalized in the South to be Christian, right? I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who's also a Christian. We disagree on a few things, but for the most part, we're pretty similar. Yeah. And it was kind of, I don't want to say it's famous because not many people that don't really think about the text and I didn't even really think about this debate till recently, but like, have you ever seen, you've said something on social media or maybe just to a friend or whatever about, you know, oh, I don't support gay marriage or this or that. And they'll be like, well, it also says in Leviticus, you can't have tattoos or, you know, oh, you guys can't wear, the, I think my favorite is like the, the different kind of cloth. Like yeah. you can't have clothes with like two different kinds of cloth. Yeah. And I think what people don't realize about uh, most of the Old Testament uh, and especially Leviticus, because it's basically purely laws and not uh, yeah. like prophecies, like some of the other books, mm -hmm. is that there's three different sections to it. So there's religious law, there's moral law, and then there's civil law. And most of what is contended in the book is under the civil law of the Jews at the time. Yeah. So keep in mind, this is like the civil law for Jews in 800 BC, not yeah. Christians in America. Right. Yeah. yeah. Hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And this is where you get those verses that say, you know, no shrimp, no clothes of different kinds that applied at the time. They weren't necessarily even religious laws. They were just laws the Jewish people had that they felt were worthy to put in their book. I mean, because the Old Testament is the Jewish Torah, I'm pretty sure. And so the first five, yeah, first five books are the Jewish Torah. Yeah. So, it, I mean, it's still in their yeah. laws today, but I think people don't separate that from the religious or the moral laws in it because those are the ones that we still follow today, yeah. which mm -hmm. includes, mm -hmm. you know, not committing incest, not sleeping with men, stuff like that. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like many people don't understand the separation between the yeah. two. Um, when, uh, sorry, I'm just reading it over here in the corner. Uh, a lot of people think that, you know, you have to pick one or the other. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it was somewhere in the gospel. I think it was either Matthew or Mark. It's one of the M gospels, but where Jesus talks about, um, I'm the new covenant. Yeah. You know, you're all reborn in the Lamb's blood. And the covenant he's referring to, the new covenant, which implies, you know, an older one, was mm -hmm. the Torah, the old books, the book, prophecies, laws. Mm -hmm. But what people don't understand is that it wasn't the religious covenant that was overturned. You know, it's not like he was replacing the Abrahamic God. Yeah. He's still the same God. So... He was, so then, okay, we'll see that the, if it's not religious and it's either moral or the civil covenant that he's overturning, well, it, you know, the morals of God have not changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament. He was still merciful, but, you know, disciplinary. You know, I, I don't know any other word. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, just discipline, yeah, it sounds. Yeah, justice, righteous. Right. Yeah. So it's not moral. So only covenant that he could, that could be left overturned would be the civil law, which is why we don't follow those now. Yeah. But people have this like dichotomy in their head that you either have to follow one or the other. You yeah, have to pick, follow all of them or none of them. And 
I just find it ironic that many people who don't read the Bible at all aren't Christian, you know, don't even, you know, fake claim or whatever to be Christian will get an argument with, with you like, Oh, but they think it's some epic gotcha moment. Like, haha, I caught you eating, you know, shrimp, you shrimp. the Mexican restaurant. Yeah. I caught you eating shrimp tacos. You're going to hell. Like, no, you know, like that's not, I know what I'm doing. I hate it. You know, I hate it. sound pretentious, but yeah. So what it sounds like you're talking about is there are a lot of people that try to argue against the Christian religion that don't fully understand one, where it came from and two, how it's changed, um, how it's sort of evolved from Judaism to Christianity and sort of some of the main differences. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think, I think the bigger problem though is, is because for thousands of years, right? I mean, the church has never been the only religion or the only group of power in the world. I mean, even before the Protestant Reformation, you know, Crusades, Holy Roman yeah. Empire, the church itself was under attack or mm-hmm. not demonized per se, but like it was never always the power in society that it, you know, so ubiquitous that it is now. And I feel like then it was different because you could identify, oh, it's the Gauls in France yeah. that mm-hmm. are attacking our vassal states you know, attacking or burning Christians on the crosses in France. So we need to protect them or, oh, Jerusalem got taken. So we need to try to retake that or, you know, this, that, or the other, but it was some physical threat or identifiable thing. But the problem is now is that it's other Christians. There are so-called Christians, people that identify with the faith that are attacking. So it's harder to point and say, you know, Oh, well, you, you know, you Sig, you were the one that's, yeah. <laughs> got it. You got me. It, it's hard to, because then, you, you know, you don't want to feel like you're demonizing someone who believe, tries to believe the same thing you are. Mm-hmm. In many cases, it might, you know, I'd say like 90% of the time, it's just good natured people who just haven't done enough research or whatever, you know, there's not yeah. well versed. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the other 10% are like genuinely, not bad people, maybe like bad actors. Like there are people that wish ill upon the Christian faith, but they, you know, yeah. they went to church as a kid. So they identify as Christian, mm-hmm. but you know, you're looking around, it's like, why are all these attacks on Christianity yeah. happen all of a sudden? It, it, you know, well, is it, is it the democratic party? No. Well, there's some Christians in there. Is it the, you know, you can't point to one group and say, this is who we need to be fighting. It's, among ourselves now, which I yeah. think is rare. And I would say there are some, I would agree with what you're saying that the attacks on the Christian faith are less coming from outside forces and more coming from within. Mm-hmm. Um, because like you said, morality <clears throat> never changes, but cultures do. So laws that have been changed um, or just sort of normal cultural practices that are changing, um, those are subject to, or at least some of them are subject to moral scrutiny. Uh, and a lot of people receive a lot of crap for less of a better, for lack of a better word, for scrutinizing those immoral practices. Uh, and they're seen as uh, living in the past or um, just not changing with the times. But there are, I would say, some very clear and present attacks from the outside of the Christian faith, um, namely in the Middle East um, and spreading into Europe with jihad and terrorism. Um, there are vast numbers of Christians being captured and murdered by radical 
jihadists. Um, but those are the those are some things that we all agree on. So no one seems to talk about right. those because everyone's like, all right, so beheading an innocent person on live TV is a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so no one covers but, it because everything agrees. So I think a but, lot of yeah. Go ahead. Uh, when it's, I was just gonna say like when it's someone within your own congregation that is planting not even really heretical, but necessarily not accepted beliefs. Mm -hmm. It's slowly shifting the window of like accepted Christian beliefs, yeah. you know, to the left and to the left and further. And I mean, if you had told the average like white picket fence Christian family living in Kansas 20 years ago that most Christians would support gay marriage in 2020, they would have laughed at you. Yeah. But now, you know, you don't want to dare go in public and say that because you're just going to get slandered. You know, I mean, obviously do not hate gay people. They're humans. They deserve equal treatment, but that doesn't mean I'm going to affirm what they're doing. Right. So it's, yeah. but I mean, no one will ever get that. You'll just be yeah. labeled. It's, it's like this whole idea um, that like, look at the 50s, 60s, 70s, all the way compared to 2020. You had this whole movement of uh, I like to word I like to use the word secularism. How do you say secularism? I can't pronounce. Like, my pronounce kind of. But yeah, I think there's just a, been a loss of religion, specifically the Christian religion. Like you said, um, you used the example of gay marriage. You know, back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, I want to say people hated gay people, but they did not approve the idea of gay marriage. Fast forward to today, 2020, these people who are you know called Christians uh, who you know see themselves as Christians. A lot of them approve of gay marriage. I would say all good Christians appreciate, you know, gay people, see them as human beings, respect their human dignity. But a true Christian, according to, you know, the church, according to their faith, would not approve that idea. So it's, it's this whole secular movement that's affecting, I believe that that's what you're talking about. Yeah, so I just think a lot of, I guess, modern day Christians, I guess what I was referring to earlier, like kind of the cultural Christians and not really... Uh, religious Christians, especially down mm -hmm. here, yeah. they they kind of they view. I guess you need to find one or the other, depending on what you view as the center point. You know, me, I'm a Christian who is in the U.S., who is in the South, male, whatever. But these people see the other way around. It's more outside of the priorities. So they might be a woman in the United States and South Carolina in the South. You know, on and on, and then you finally get to the church. Right. So they feel like the church needs to change to their laundry list priorities before it, which is not what God calls us to do. It's the, it should be the other way around. And so when you, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I insist you go ahead. Yeah, if you insist. Christians. <laughs> so, uh, going on the sort of identity, how you see yourself, like first you see yourself as a woman and then you see yourself as, I don't know, a member of this party, and then you see yourself as a member of this state, and then you see yourself as an American. Um, what do you think caused that sort of, or do you think it's supported that that specific chain of sort of identity, of self-identity, as being pressed by certain parties? I worded that terribly. But do you well, think- no, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I could talk to you for like, another 24 hours about how identity politics and that whole scheme has just ruined uh, so everything it touches. But referring to Christianity in general, I would say that 
gl- just, I don't even know, just globalism in and of itself and the culture that it breeds. I mean, they're just evil people out there who genuinely are so selfish. They w- are willing to see society around them die for their own benefit. Yeah. They don't care about literally anything that would has previously, you know, the past 200 plus years of American history united us as a people, you know, religion, nationalism, the family, you see it all three being destroyed and religion is the last one only because it's the biggest and hardest to get rid of generationally. But I mean, you see it, it's the last religion is the last thing stopping them from basically doing whatever they want. Because when you remove all these unifying factors, people have nothing left to identify with, but the state or whatever reigning power is in control. So, which, you know, at that point they can do whatever they want. So. Can I ask, when you say they, uh, do you have a specific group of people in mind? Like who's pushing this agenda Uh, that you're talking about? No, not really a specific group group because honestly uh, the sad thing is i think it, it occurs in both parties i definitely view myself as republican leaning i mean that's how i basically vote straight through but unfortunately they're greedy selfish people in both parties yeah, who sure. will just completely abandon the people that vote for them you know their entire voter base any morals or values they might have you know for the lobbyist money for the you know the cushy job after they're out you know it whatever they're being promised is more than i guess the uh reputation that they hold with their voters is worth so yeah so i i think what you're getting at is sort of the idea of moral relativism so we kind of established at the beginning that we all agree that morality doesn't change but i think a growing belief in secular society is that morality does change where people will see say we'll take abortion because it's a more it's more extreme than gay marriage. Mm-hmm. We'll say abortion 60 years ago was seen as morally evil. And now many people argue that abortion is a moral good. So not necessarily talking about abortion specifically, but what are your thoughts on sort of moral relativism and how that can affect a society in the second or third order effects? Yeah, so the, I mean, I think that goes back to what I was saying. Just trying to decay the family, the unifying factors. I mean, when you have convinced i mean i'll go with your example of abortion i guess when you've convinced a woman that it in her head right that it is okay or even beneficial to murder her child then you've won you know you've that i mean for basically all of human society i mean obviously i'm not take this what i'm about to say with a grain of salt like i'm not saying what i'm about to say but a woman's job has been to raise a child yeah i'm, I'm not saying obviously right i'm not saying that they can't work that's not what i'm saying yeah. i'm saying that like speaking purely biologically purely biologically you know women have children men don't so throughout history they've been the one having kids yeah, yeah um, also, i don't i guess that is kind of controversial to say nowadays but um historically women have been the ones you know to raise kids and you know i'm not against them working or anything that's perfectly fine or you know man raising a child at home whatever that's not really a big problem to me but when you have such an ingrained sense of you know you always hear about like oh if my child got attacked and women just go 
like crazy. They can fight fight men way taller, way heavier, way stronger than because just their protective instincts towards their child. And if you have won psychologically so much that you can convince a woman who is ingrained naturally with instincts to, you know, protect and raise a child to murder it, then, I mean, you've basically, I don't want to say brainwash the nation because I mean, obviously not everybody believes in it, but you brainwash it. Yeah. I mean, you can say you've convinced people. I mean, I, I think in terms of moral relativism, they, 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 I mean, these evil people that I've been talking Mm -hmm. about, they, I think they've won in that sense because they, I mean, this even goes back to what we were talking about earlier. If you can convince Christians who that, you know, we're supposed to view God's word and his vision for what he wants for us as like absolute truth. If you can convince them to change and veer away from it, then I mean, you know, what do you have left? So I think we're definitely agreeing on a lot of things. Um, yeah. I guess I'll, I'll play devil's advocate. How? Yeah. So a lot of what people say is abortion, it's not killing the child. It's, let me rephrase that. It's not killing anything because it's not a person yet. It's the, the argument that people reach. And here's where it gets, I guess, tricky because maybe in my opinion, I think it's because mainly people who advocate for abortion are in fill up the academia field that there hasn't been much or any research into when even scientifically, I mean, this is not even what I believe, but when, you know, to appease the science types, like when does life actually begin? I believe, you know, begins even before you're born when you're formed in the womb, right? As a Christian. But the problem is, is that since I can't, you know, they're just locked into God sucks. Science is the only true thing in the universe. So if I don't have any complete scientific proof that it's alive, then they won't even consider it. I mean, you can even considering the fact, you know, it's a separate being from a mother, you know, it's even if you don't consider it alive, you can't, it's a different thing. It's a person, but it's a different entity. They believe from a mother and well, humans can only have humans. So if there's a separate unborn (laughs) entity (laughs) in a woman's uterus, then it can only be an unborn human. Yeah. It's alive. If it, you know, they love to use the, oh, it's just a parasite. It couldn't survive without the mother's. Well, I mean, it is still alive though. You're still alive. Even if you are, you know, are old people not alive yeah, anymore because they're, they're on similar. tubes and life support. No, we mm-hmm. still, they're a human being who is alive. They're just with assistance because they're unable to care for themselves, which is exactly what a unborn child is. But, but you know, they don't, Nobody listens to that, so yeah. Or maybe they do. They just refuse to accept it because they're, yeah. like I said, selfish. The thing is, part of their body, like you hear the phrase all the time, "my body, my rights." I think they have to. Their disagreement with, say, Christians or any pro-life people, is the fact that we believe that that the fetus, the baby, is not part of their body. So we, I think, everybody, maybe, maybe you too, uh, support the idea of having the right to your own body. I'm sure, you agree with that, right? We all just believe that the baby, the fetus, is not part of their body. It's somebody else's body. 
So that just happens to be located inside your body. Yeah. It's still not your body. Your body, that is. I've seen recently is they, like I said, they, they want to control the whole, whole conversation about yeah. anything. Cause the second we as Christians or conservatives or whatever group you're vouching for at the time, the second people of our beliefs start controlling the conversation about something, they realize that they have nothing to back themselves up on besides a mob mentality. Yeah. So they've been trying to control the whole conversation. I've seen recently, they've changed it from, Oh, they're Republicans are, or Christians, whatever are pro-life. They've now they're, Oh, you're anti-choice. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. automatically you hear the word anti and you're like, you know, negative connotation in your mm -hmm. head. I mean, if you're talking about anti-choice to kill a human being, then sure. Yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> but right. You know, I don't care. My, my beliefs aren't going to change no matter what you label me as, yeah. but you know, it's just ridiculous the way they're trying to just change the change the whole things so that so for someone completely brand new to the you know the debate, someone young, you know, maybe just getting politics or mm -hmm. deciding what they want to believe. And I say, Well, oh, these people are pro choice and these people are anti choice. Well, what is it a choice to? Uh, who cares? Anti is bad, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean like unfortunately I'm sorry, No, no, go ahead. It's like the pro-lifers seem like they're forcing women to have babies. Where we're not forcing women to have babies, we're simply not allowing them to kill a baby to kill a life. Right. I think uh, another thing I, I like, well, don't like, I don't like it at all, actually. But another thing that I hear a lot online is, oh, well, they only want to force, like you were saying, to force women to have the child. They just don't even care for them afterwards, mm -hmm. yeah. which is completely just i don't even know how you can think that without just ignoring data like sure if you the first thing you think about when you think about like care i say care because they kill children but when you think about pregnancy services you think of planned parenthood and you know that's the big name and you don't think about the hundreds and hundreds of you know charities and other nonprofit businesses that provide women with childcare, provide them with clothes, food, places to live, job connections that are all around the nation. They just don't get the billion dollar funding that Planned Parenthood gets. They can't advertise. They can't do all these things. And yeah. then they have the, I guess you'd say nerve to just ignore them and be like, well, you guys, no, you guys aren't doing anything. And it's like, no, Catholics are I say control of, but like they have their hands in like 88%, 80, I think it's 85 to 90% of all charitable pro-life organizations yeah, of which I there are hundreds around their nations. Yeah. So I just find it ridiculous that they say it's just not true. Yeah. The, the idea that there's nowhere else to go other than Planned Parenthood for pregnancy help, even if you want to keep the child. I mean, it's just part of Planned Parenthood's like, I mean, their advertisement has worked perfectly. They, yeah. They've marketed themselves towards young girls as the only place you can go to for pregnancy care. And then when you get there, as a 14-year-old girl who is pregnant, they'll immediately tell you, just get an abortion. Yeah. 85, I think it was, I think it was 80 to 85% of their revenues came from abortion. I mean, that's why they're going to lobby for it. That's why they're going to tell young girls this is the only thing they can do because mm -hmm. they make billions a year off of it. Why yeah. would they want to stop? They, don't, they, I mean, I don't know if you guys heard, this came out, gosh, 
I think first back when Obama was so president, like 2010, 2012, when Planned Parenthood was selling baby parts yeah, yeah. for vaccine research. And then they got caught again in like 2015 and then recently like 2019. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like so how is that? I just don't know how this like escaped the mass conversation of like, yeah, you're chop. It it just disgusts me. The, it, it, it is disgusting to think about it, but even then, it works against their own argument. Because if you if if you get someone, I'm pretty sure Planned Parenthood admitted they've been doing it uh, right, yeah. publicly. So if you say yeah, you're yeah. selling you're selling human parts, but it's not a human when you kill it, well then right. what is it's it? Just... Like what what are we looking at here? And it's it's such guess... a strong. It's such a strong opinion in the United States to be pro-abortion, mm-hmm. but it's such a weak opinion to hold because there's, there's not not yeah. much to back it up. Some people out there right. maybe just don't care that it is human. Maybe they just don't have respect for human dignity. That, that's what I'm saying. Is- I think most people have just been raveled up in ad- the advertising, the mob mentality, but you're right. I think some people, like I was saying earlier, some people are just truly like the heads of Planned Parenthood. They're so selfish. They oh, see yeah. those billions. They don't care. They could, it could come out on record tomorrow that it is an alive human child, which we know, but you yeah. know, they could prove enough for everyone, every other pro-choice person to know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't care. They would so push for it because they're not going to give up that money. They're selfish. They're racist, yeah. sick people. And right. I would argue that some of them aren't. Some of them have just been, like you said, brainwashed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some And even people working at Planned Parenthood. Have you uh, read or seen Unplanned? No, but I know what you're talking about. But yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's I, a book. Yeah, it's a book and a movie. I believe her name was Abby Johnson. She was uh, a manager at a Planned Parenthood. Um, had never seen an abortion, had never performed an abortion, and then got called in to help with one. And she was so disturbed and disgusted by it that she quit her job and has since been advocating against abortion and yeah if you want to i i mean i guess anyone listening if you want to look at something that would just i think completely i don't know i saw this years ago and i mean i was pro-life as a christian anyways but this basically just maybe absolutely disgusted with it because you know as a young child you don't really think too deeply yeah. into things but once i saw that it's called a silent scream yeah I'm, i don't even know if you can find it on youtube but it's a ultrasound of an abort like a live abortion and you can see the child like recoiling away from the the scapula that they're using to spread and then you can see the legs being pulled off just piece it like it literally made me want to throw up it was disgusting and i also there's another recently um I don't know. You heard the Louisiana law that got struck down like days ago. Yeah, actually. I did see that. Yeah, Supreme Court yeah. struck down the anti-abortion law. But yeah. there was an abortion doctor that had testified in the original circuit case last year, yeah. where he described an abortion to the Senate committee, and it was just it, you could see the disgust in these people's faces. Yeah. Like they just they couldn't. They knew what they were supporting, but they couldn't bear to look. Like this guy was standing in front of them testifying and, you know, all the Republicans were like, oh yeah, that's awful. You know, as they should. I mean, it's and disgusting. all the Democratic people were sitting in the corner, you know, shuffling their papers, couldn't look the man in the face as he was describing tearing a child apart. It was awful. Yeah. That's again. Yeah. Unplanned. If you don't have a, if you have a weak stomach, don't watch the movie, read the book. Um, it is, it's disturbing. It's very disturbing to watch. 
but you've been mentioning a, uh, this mod mentality a bunch. So why don't you go into what, what sort of that means to you, what you've been referring to as that? Well, I think, uh, I think it's become worse. The mod mentality itself has become worse ever since the advent of social media, you know, like post 2000s-ish. Yeah. There have always been social unrest and whatnot in the United States. It's just who we are as a country. We have overcome a lot of bad things like slavery, you know, getting civil rights actually implemented once slavery was over, you know, dealing with reparations towards Native Americans. Like we've overcome a lot of bad things as a nation, but it's always happened at a very low level. And then it's just, you know, built up and then we're like, oh crap, we need to change things. And we do. Yeah. But the, since 2000, people, I think it was a unique convergence of two things happening. One, people ran out of things to basically complain about. I mean, arguably, you know, you could say gay marriage. And that was in 2012, I think. Or it was 2016. 20, was it really that late? Uh, I, was, I was in grade school. It might have been 2012. Yeah, yeah I feel, so. Well, I feel like it was an election. It was recent. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was fairly recently given timelines of things but besides that people were based i mean there's really nothing more people had to be like this is unequal this is yeah. inherently unfair i mean there might there's obviously always going to be like specific distinct cases of people being racist but you can never change that that's just crappy human nature but that happened people ran a stuff to complain about and social media started blowing up which is how you get very loud amount of people yelling about nothing. And the problem is, is that a lot of these people soon became influential to a bunch of young kids growing up. And when you have a bunch of like, let's say 5% of social media stars or movie stars or whatever, you know, loudly complaining about stuff, even if they get 10%, 20% of their fans to get along and then they start complaining you know, give it 20 years up until now. And all of a sudden it seems like everybody is losing their minds about anything. You know, it, it quickly went from, we need to tear down slave owners, statues. I mean, bringing up recent events, you know, the, the rights and stuff. Yeah. Tearing down Confederate statues, which is, I mean, I guess you could debate that one way or another. You can make a strong case for Confederate. Right. Yeah. And I would yeah. agree, I would agree to, to an extent. Yeah. Right. Right. So you, most people agree about that or, you know, then it went from Confederate generals to, oh, let's rename military bases. It was just like, okay, you can debate that a little more because it kind of historical significance. But, mm -hmm. okay, let's say you want to get rid of just Confederate generals' names. And then it was like, well, mm -hmm. all slaveholders, which is like anyone we have a statue of that. George Washington. But, yeah, yeah exactly. Mm -hmm. So then it was like, okay, well, slaveholders, but not the founding fathers because they're important. And then it went, like you said, the, um, George Washington was a slaveholder. Oh, let's tear down this statue too. I don't know if you guys know who Sean King is. Yeah. <laughs> an activist. Uh, the white Black Lives Matter guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've always thought that guy's pretty funny, but in a sad way. But uh, <laughs> he called for tearing down statues of Jesus for yeah, I saw that. like being too white. Yeah. Which is, I mean, he was Arab. Whatever <laughs> your opinion of the subject is, I feel like that's not a conversation we should even be having. Um, I feel like that's where most people draw the line. The thing is, is that these 5% of people, like Sean King, who are calling for just ridiculous stuff, yeah. way past the scope of the original. I mean, you know, we people are writing about Black Lives Matter. And so I feel like they got 
accomplish what they want. I feel like we accomplished justice in this scenario. The cop got arrested, he's gonna face trial. Many of the Confederate statues have been torn down, places are being renamed. So I feel like the goal has been accomplished, right? But they've just moved the goalposts back. Well, now mm -hmm. it's slaveholders, now it's Jesus. Yeah. Why? Like, that, that's all I have to say. Like, why? You have these 5% of people who are just beaming information down to the masses, and because they've been told, oh, well, he's an evil slaveholder, you know, like, I'd say 80% of these people like really couldn't care less about what they were destroying or what they were tearing down. Yep. Mm -hmm. But they're just being told. They're probably not informed on what they even are tearing down. Right. Yeah. It's just, that's the mob mentality. It's 5% yep. of people who are really passionate. Like, I have the same theory with people in the Democratic Party. For I'll just use an example of a mob. Yeah. I feel like most Democrats at the core are good people that just have really bad ideas, right? Mm -hmm. But there's a group of about 5% of them who are just completely unhinged, disgusting people. And unfortunately, they're the lead, most of the leaders of the party. Mm -hmm. So when they're spouting all this nonsense, you know, the people, the regular people are like, crap, well, this is kind of my job and I need re-election and I need the funding from DNC. So I just gotta go along with what he's saying. Yeah. Same thing with mobs, the rights, all that. Yeah. You kind of almost described literally the definition of brainwashing when you started bringing up uh, social media. You said like there's 5% of major, you could say celebrities or famous people who have an influence on people. You said give it 20 years, you're going to have greater population supporting their causes. Yeah, it's just a compounding effect. When you have crazy people talking out their wazoo and you don't do anything about it, I mean, it's a free country. I support free speech for all sides. Yeah. It's the conver conversations we should have. Even if I completely disagree with you, like, I completely disagree with pro-choice people, but talk, man. It's you know, a conversation that needs to be had. Good thing to converse. Right. It, mm -hmm. It's a thing that should at least be discussed or talked about, because when you start, you know, take away the right to talk about anything, then, you know, it's a dark hole to go down. Yep. Where is so, that? So, we should be able to talk about all sorts of stuff. But the unfortunate part of that is when you leave crazy, just absolute wacko stuff, like, I mean, it's basically become completely okay to just trash white people now. I completely understand a good joke. I, I mean, it's it's funny, like, I, you know, when people make, like, white people have no seasoning jokes or whatever, it's funny, man, like, because <laughs> yeah. I've lived through it, you know, white people don't put seasoning on their food. But when it There's turns from that, like, a lot of salt. <laughs> but when it turns from that into like there was a girl recently who like yesterday got fired from her position which is like a rare case in these types of scenarios for saying she wanted to stab white people like oh yeah I, saw that. I didn't see that yeah she, she posted some video crying <laughs> about how she got let go from some journalistic job because she posted a tiktok about her wanting to stab the next white person she saw the problem is that that's the exception. If, if I posted a video tomorrow saying I was gonna stab the next person I saw of any race, they, people should take that as a threat. That's yeah. I, that's not really covered under the First Amendment. To say to say that you want to stab someone simply because of their race is in fact a racist statement. Right. Exactly. So, you know, if I was going to go out and say that, I would lose admittance 
to school, I would yeah. never find a job. Yeah. Yep. You know, my life would basically be over. I'd mm-hmm. be working that, you know, 90 hour McDonald's shift every week for the right. rest of my life. So the fact that this is the exception that someone actually got punished for, for their actions, speak, you know, for, <laughs> for saying this stuff, it, yeah. it blows my mind that people are defending her too. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, double standards. Yeah. And I think what we're sort of getting at is the idea of identity politics and or just sort of collectivizing a group identity and saying you can either blame people based on identity or you can reward them based on their identity. And there's it's a like we said, it's a very dangerous, it's a dark and winding hole that we go down just where does it end? Like first you say it happened and a lot of people aren't taught this that I never learned it in school. Um, Jordan Peterson does a great job of sort of detailing yeah. what what we're seeing now and how it's happened in the past. Um, it happened to the, the Kulaks, I believe is how you pronounce it, in Soviet Russia before the Soviet Revolution. So they were, the Kulaks were the farming class, they were the working class, they produced about 90% of the food um, and they were hard workers. And so they began to accumulate wealth and were able to hire more people and there was like you said that five ten percent at the bottom of just bad people that hate the world that said well everything that they have they've stolen and then these socialist and marxist and communist ideas come into town and they're like yes you're right everything they have is because they stole it and they stole it from you and it's scary to see that like that's a lot of the conversation that's going on in america is that everything the rich has is because they've stolen it from the poor and that's not necessarily true sure you have your evil people that have been done terrible things um but i would say the majority of people that are well off or wealthier because they work their tail off and they've taken risks and they've been smart with investing their money and they've made it on with other people instead of on the backs of other people Right. I, I think it's something unique about America as a country is that many of the people, the rich people that were created in our nation were, they made their wealth, not only from themselves, but I mean, sure, they might have billions, but think of the billions they've given back in yeah. wealth, you know, paychecks, the infrastructure they've built. I mean, Rockefeller, when he was, you know, mining oil all across the West, yeah, he, he was literally... I think he's like he's the third richest person in history when you count for like inflation or whatever. Yeah. Crazy rich, unbelievably rich. But those hundreds of billions he was worth at the time, he also spread hundreds of billions by creating most of the Southern West in our country. By, I mean, most of that infrastructure was used to go West for the gold rush. I mean, it is just all compounds when you have, someone spending money to do this, you need to pay workers. You need to build places for the workers to stay. You need to build. And since they're staying there, they need food and they need entertainment. So you have saloons popping up and then those people need workers. They need supplies of alcohol from the East. So you have to build transport. So it just, it builds on itself and he may be rich, but the value he created to the rest of America, I'm, I'm using him specifically, but most rich people, you know, that does just inherit money and then just, you know, blow it or whatever. Yeah. But most, pe- most rich people that have a business aren't absorbing all of that, the value themselves. It's passed on 
to the yeah. services they product, provide and the value they provide to the workers. Yeah. And a lot of what we see today is, and I would say Amazon takes a ton of garbage from a lot of different people, um, namely Bernie Sanders likes to talk about Amazon a lot um, and how they pay, Amazon as a company pays zero dollars in federal corporate income tax. And he says, well, that's, they're making, Jeff Bezos is worth, I don't even know the number, something Bezos, ridiculous, yeah. billions of dollars. And he's saying that essentially he's trying to make the case that they're paying no taxes, which is not true. Jeff Bezos pays personal income tax. All his employees pay personal income tax. All of Amazon's locations pay state and local income tax. They just don't pay any federal corporate income tax, which means their headquarters doesn't pay income tax. And the reason for that, if you look into it, is because they're investing in drone transport, because they're investing in cities around the country, they're creating jobs and all those sort of compile as tax write-offs. So the government says, you know what, you're doing enough for the American society, we don't need to tax you. And another thing, Jeff Bezos, if he's worth, hold up, yeah, $166 billion is what he's worth. That doesn't mean he has $166 billion just sitting in a bank account. That's all of the, all of the buildings, all of the, yeah. The inventory, yeah. all of the cars, all, all the drones, all of everything. But he's only yeah. 166 billion rich if he could somehow sell all of Amazon at face value yeah. to other people. Yeah. If he did that right now, he would not get 50 billion. You know, people aren't well, going to do that. Yeah. And the other thing is, I mean, sure, you can, like you said, he does pay taxes. I don't think many people, they picked one, like cherry picked, oh, there's 0%. Let's grab it and run with it. But um, I don't think people realize, like, we kind of need to do that. Like, I don't know if you remember hearing recently uh, when they were putting a new HQ down and, like, 10 different one of the final cities. That they moved yeah, in. I was about to say, so many different major cities were, like, competing to how much they could offer Amazon to come to their city because they know, okay, sure, we might be letting them pay 0% tax for having their headquarters here, but they're bringing all the shipping that's going to come through, the workers are going to get paid in our town, you yeah. know, the, all the services are going to pop up, which is what makes it so worth it to have mm -hmm. a, the HQ or any big business in your town like that. Yeah. I heard estimates yeah. as high as like the new city would bring in a hundred, it was like a hundred to 250,000 new jobs. Yeah. That, that's insane. And especially we consider not that they didn't come out of thin air, but those are jobs that have just never been in your city to begin mm -hmm. with. And if, you're not offering them a competitive tax rate. Well, you know, as selfish as it may seem from the outside, you know, Jeff Bezos and other big company owners are good businessmen. They're going to go wherever they can save the most money and make the most money for their business and whatnot. So who's to say if any of those 10 cities hadn't offered them competitive deals, let's go put a headquarters in Beijing. You know, it's, if they're offering me more incentives yeah. to go there, why not? And, you know, we need try to keep it American. Well, you know, whether regardless yeah. of your opinion of that, you know, we want the revenue and stuff generated from having them here. So yeah, we have to offer them competitive stuff. That's mm -hmm. how business works. And contrasting that with sort of going off of the outsourcing to say India or Pakistan or China, a lot of the companies that I'll preface it with this is American made it's coming back around, but it doesn't hold the, the pride that it used to, at least it seems like. Um, and I, th I think that's starting to turn, which I'm very glad to see. Um, 
but companies specifically Nike. Nike has been at the forefront of the social justice, the United States is an evil, racist society, while having sweatshops in India and Pakistan that no yeah. one seems to care about. It's sort of this virtue signaling that what I say is more important than what I do is not only I believe wrong on a moral level, like sort of getting back to how we started this, it's a very non-Christian way of thinking. Because I forget, I forget the, uh, I forget the verse, but it's one, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. And when you go to pray, don't stand on the corner and shout like a hypocrite. Mm -hmm. Go into your back room and lock your door and pray where, yeah, Matthew, um, and pray where God, where no one knows but God. So sort of this, this idea that what you say is more important than what you do is becoming an increasingly divisive problem. Right. Yeah, I, I tweeted out something when this whole shebang about companies, you know, bending over hand to knee to show how you know great and amazing they were. You say you tweeted the, it? Yeah, yeah. Why don't you shout out your Twitter? Uh, yeah, Creighton Taylor, CR810, Taylor, no spaces. Anyway, I, I tweeted <laughs> I tweeted out uh, something a couple couple weeks ago when this whole, you know, thing was starting up, all the, you know, companies sending out their bland corporate emails or whatever, where Apple had said they were donating $100 million to minority communities, which looks great on paper. It's, you know, good for them. But when you consider at the same time, they have suicide nets in their factory in China to prevent their workers from killing themselves because they make them work 16, 18 hours a day for pennies on the dollar. It kind of, like you were saying, it was saying and doing two things, not to mention a hundred million dollars is like nothing compared across to the money they save. Across. Yeah. It's if you, I mean, if you divide it up by state, $2 million per state, say there's two or three cities in a state, it's like a couple no, hundred thousand dollars a city. That's like a, that's like a day. Yeah. Um, easy. Which, I mean, I guess we, we shouldn't nullify the donation. No. Itself. That's not what I'm trying not, to say. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like you were saying, saying and doing two things. When you're trying to show how great you are, but you're using slave, almost slave labor. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, again, mean, yeah, another verse. Um, take the needle, or take the, take, this, take the log out of your own eye before... So you can clearly see the splinter yeah. in your brothers. Yeah. Oh, take yeah. care of your people. Take care of the people that you employ before you do outreach just because it looks good from yeah, a corporate if, level. If Apple was truly dedicated to this, it was said, screw the $100 million. You know, keep the factories in China. That I mean, that's not even what I'm debating here. But just, we're going to be paying our workers a living wage now. We're going to be giving them better working conditions. Or we're going to be moving the factories to America or we're going to be, you know, this, that, or the other to actually show they cared. But if they never, you know, change what they're doing, then what was the point? You know, it was, there was hoping nobody notices that. I, I bet Tim yeah. Cook, when he gave the, the, presented the video that he was donating, he was like, gosh, I sure hope no one brings this up. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know most people are thinking it, but. Yeah. Which actually, I just had an interesting thought. So Amazon's been catching a lot of flack. Um, and like we said, Apple and Nike haven't been. Amazon, as far as I know, Amazon doesn't produce much. It's more of a distributor. Yeah. So it doesn't have those overseas 
factories, sweatshops. So it, it, that makes less sense to me that why Amazon is being the scapegoat for all of this. Yeah, I mean, Apple, Nike, I mean, the reality is, as an American, if you see that your product is from overseas, it was most likely made by some sort of indentured person, someone who's not getting paid a livable wage, someone who's working in really, really crappy conditions, just mass produced hot garbage. I mean, 90% of the, no one goes, I mean, I guess maybe Taiwan, Taiwan's a pretty nice place, mm-hmm. but like no one goes and puts a factory in the Philippines to go revitalize the local economy. They're doing it so they can escape tax laws and pay their employees nothing. So when you look at Nike, Apple, you know, most clothing companies, I mean, very few pieces of clothing are produced in the U S now. Yeah. I mean, they're all doing it to save money like that. Mm -hmm. And it's just goes back to what we were saying earlier. These people are the Nike factory managers, evil sweatshop, you know, got the belt out there. Get back to work, man. You got nine more hours in your shift. No, probably not. They're probably just people trying to make a buck, you know, it's their job, but the head people that are like, let's put the factory there. Those are the evil people who will Mm -hmm. not let any moral standing of ancient times. Like, Hey, let's get rid of slave labor. Hey, let's pay people for their work because they're contributing to our business. They don't care because it makes them more money. Yeah. So that's, John, you got anything? No, I agree, I agree with everything you guys are saying. I think it's the people in positions of power that are for whatever reason corrupt and, you know, in most cases, evil individuals. Well, it's people we could say on the Democratic Party, some Republican Party, the followers, maybe they're not corrupt, but maybe they just have a wrong ideology, a wrong belief, maybe because they were brainwashed or for whatever reason they believed a, a specific, you know, way that they believe. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anything else you want to bring up? Oh, yeah. I just had a, a closing kind of thought, I guess, to leave you with. Yeah. Or I guess statement. I don't really know how I'm going to word this. But, um, I think the big problem, like going back to everything we've talked about is that the people that are in these positions of power are too too isolated and insulated from damage, right? Yeah. DNC, unelected DNC party leaders, the senators that seemingly will be elected until their corpse is being paraded through the streets. You, you know, Nike CEO, Apple CEO, you know, people, evil people in these positions of power unelected bureaucrats that have a lot of power in how these laws, even if they are good ones that are written and put into law are carried out. So I think the problem that us as Christians or really just any American that wants to see the best for the country, which hopefully should be most people, unfortunately not, but most Americans that want to see good for the country is figuring out how to get to these people obviously I do not mean physically hurt or anything like that. I'm talking about getting to them idea wise, replacing them with someone who has better interests in mind, someone who is more obviously, I mean, as you can tell from the conversations we've been having, I'm not a communist or collectivist, but thinking of the collective good, thinking more of, Oh, we need to benefit the nation and not just my pockets. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that's the problem that we'll be faced with in the next 10 years is 
we're facing a path in the road is either we're going to be getting to these people and fixing these problems before they get any worse, or there it's just going to keep getting worse. And 10 years from now, I'll be back on the podcast telling you about how most it's weird how most Christians accept bestiality or whatever is the new hot topic of the time. The new no, I, I do agree. He makes a good point. There's a slippery slope. Like look at abortion or homosexuality, like homosexual, uh, relationships or marriages let's say the 1950s compared to 2020 it's so much more acceptable it's a very slippery slope on you know any issue i think bestiality is probably an advanced one but i an extreme one but i get what you're saying more and yeah, more yeah immoral talking you know, we never know we might, yeah you know, i think you're right <laughs> let me ask you why do you think that there's been such a movement of let's just say away from morality away from family values and more towards a selfish cult selfish culture um, I think people, uh, I think it happened generationally. I think people after kind of the baby boom, like Gen Xers, like 70s, 60s kids, they yeah. grew up, you know, during those times, they, you know, every kid, every teenager has a rebellious phase. And you know, I'm yeah. not stupid. Uh, it's happened all through humanity. You're always going to yeah. have rebellious yeah. tendencies as a child. The problem is, like, who, what do they know? Right, exactly. But the problem is, is that as much as we might hate, like, joke about it now, at the time, the baby boomers had, inarguably, in my opinion, the greatest America's ever been. Coming off World War II, yeah. booming economy, you know, the average family could go buy everything they could want, you know, white picket fence, get it all. And, it, I mean, life was generally pretty good, especially, you know, 20 years later, after the civil rights movement, and everyone had full civil rights established, you know, obviously with some wrinkles, but, you know, once we got through that time, America was in its best spot. But the problem is, is rebelling against the best time in your country, the the best things Mm -hmm. means you're going to be doing the worst things you can be doing for your country. And they kind of grew up, Gen Xers kind of grew up in this, you know, life is so good, it can never go wrong. And then the Cold yeah. War came around and gas prices soared and our, our economy almost collapsed. You know, yeah. bare, we're lucky the Russians did before us because otherwise we'd have been screwed, honestly. And so, you know, that happened. The dot-com bubble in 2000. Yeah. Everyone's been growing up in this cycle. Of, well, we're doing so great. We can just slack off now. And, oh, crap. We're, yeah. you know, dirty. Times dirt yeah. Yeah. So... I think the problem is that more people are tempted toward this, well, it's great, so I can do nothing kind of lifestyle. And it just leads to complacency, which I think is, you know, something that haunts literally every aspect of your life. It can, you know, your work, your religion, your relationships, anything. And the problem is when you let that seep into your life and it becomes your lifestyle is I'm everything. And it's reinforced by many liberal values such as, you know, UBI, you know, the universal basic income and all this, like you become so complacent with just staying how you are that the only way it can go down is worse. And staying complacent for most of these rich people is staying rich. And how do they do that? By being selfish and by being greedy and putting everyone else down for a little bit of gain and, you know, tripping and stumbling, they don't care what anybody behind them or below them does because it got them one more dollar, right? So 
I don't know. It's just many people have lost. Um, they've just, it's just become so selfish because people have been so complacent mm-hmm. and, and I think yeah. something that a lot of times is brought up with UBI, universal basic income, is people use the word equality. And I think a, lot, a big problem we have in our modern society is that people misuse the word equality in place of the word equity, mm, where yeah. equity is equality of outcome and equality is equality of opportunity. Yep. So what a lot of people are pushing for when they say equality is equity. However, that's kind of the opposite of what we've been founded on where sort of the only reason, if, if everything is gonna be equal, if you're gonna get the same amount of money no matter what you do, why would you do anything? Like what's, what's the point? Yeah, if, complacency. Yeah, it's the, the capitalist idea is every waking effort or every effort you make is to create inequality in a just way. It's to say, I've done this extra thing, so I've earned this extra dollar, and I've caused, in, by proxy, this inequality that just happens to be there. Right. So, people, many people realize that true equality is never going to happen. It will never happen. As long as there's, as me and you are not completely identical, as long as we're not all clones of the same person living the exact same day-to-day life, there's always going to be some sort of inequality, whether that be racial, social, like, you know, the amount of wealth, where you live. I mean, it's never going to go away. Obviously we can, there are some things we can't, we can fix racial inequality, make everyone equal on legal standing ground. But why does the guy that, why is the person that is not working? You know, maybe you are working, right? You're working your nine hour shift at McDonald's. Good for you. So why is the person that's sitting on their butt faking disability claims you know, stealing your money. I'm not arguing against taxes, but that's where UBI would come from. I mean, we're pretending this money would come from nowhere. So when you have people that are willing to go the extra mile to, you know, work, do it the old fashioned way, earn your way up in society. Yeah. I mean, when you want to take money from those people because you realize it's easy and it's normal and people are slowly beginning to become okay with it. And it's not like, Oh my gosh, that's theft. Oh my gosh. You're not that taxes are theft, but you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. not that you're taking something they rightfully earned. Yeah. You know, it, it becomes a little worrying that people are just willing to, to do that. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. And I, I agree with the overwhelming majority of it. Um, but kind of going along with people who say free, the yeah. word free, Never free. I, I, I love the word and I hate the word because we live in a society where you are able to do what you want. And that's the part that I love. And I hate the word because nothing is free, not even freedom. Like there's nothing in this world that is free. Yeah. The only thing that is free and the only thing I've ever found that is free is salvation, which is God's gift. And again, that's a Christian thing. It's the only, only thing that's free. So when you say, when Bernie Sanders says free college, or when Andrew Yang says a free base, universal basic income, it's not free. It's paid for by someone. It just doesn't happen to be you. So the, right. the whole appeal 
I, I understand what you said, that taxation isn't theft, and I would agree with that to an extent. To an extent. At, at right, a certain yeah, extent, yeah. at a certain extent, I would agree. Be, I would say it becomes. No, I was theft. just trying to make the point for yeah. the worker guy. Obviously, yeah. it's, if you're yeah. taking ninety percent of my income, that's theft. But uh, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, I think we were on the same page with that. And yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I think you made an interesting point there about Christianity being the only receiving salvation is the only thing that's truly free. That you yeah. have to, I don't have to cut off an arm or a leg to be saved. Yeah. You know, you have to follow and obey Christ, but there's nothing that I sacrifice, pers- you know, tangibly. And, and if you mess up, forgiveness is there, which is which is crazy because you think about it, that's probably the most important thing in life. At least if you're a Christian, exactly. I think everybody can agree but about it. I, that's one reason. That they hate it so much. They can't wrap their head around the fact, subconsciously, they might even not, not even consciously think this, you know, people that want free, free stuff. They might not even consciously think about this, but subconsciously they hate it because they know that's the only thing you are going to get for free. And that's the only thing going to be freely given. They try to mimic it with as many things as they can. But the sad thing is that they'll never realize is nothing will ever come close to it. They can promise you the whole world. But as I think it says in uh, Matthew, early Matthew, it's like, what do you have to gain? What, what is it worth if you gain the whole world, but lose your soul? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's what they're trying to offer you. All you got to do is support baby murder and all this other stuff. And we can give you 1200 bucks a month for sit on your butt. All you got to do is betray the creator of the universe, dude. It's easy. I mean, and we've sort of, I've noticed this trend. We all, we trace these ideas back to Christianity or at least part in some of them, parts of Judaism that have followed through to Christianity, parts of the old Testament that don't change. And I think what we're sort of getting at is the idea that the American society was built on a certain set of values. So every society that's ever existed has built itself on values, Um, whether it be Islamic values or pagan values or like Greek or Roman values. They all have a set of values that they deem are good. And the Western civilization, or at least America, was built on these Judeo-Christian values. Like the idea of forgiveness is almost ex- it's it's exclusively Judeo-Christian. It's there's not much talk of forgiveness in many other ancient texts. Right. If you um, even look at- like Buddhism, it's the system of karma, right? Yeah. So yeah. there's technically forgiveness, but it's not forgiven. You it's coming. It's going to come back to you sometime later in life, yeah. right? So it's not forgiven. It's just pushed later down the road. Yeah. I think I think you actually hit it on the head there because I think America and most of the West is kind of unique in the fact that it's based off these values and it's different from any other society because of that because inherently as a Christian I believe me and you are equal to each other you or a black man or an Asian woman or any other human being we are equal you know we're all equal in the eyes of the Lord and I think many other societies we i think that's why we so quickly in our short time as a country in the grand scheme of things been able to work through so many things so fast you know china imperial china and then communist china the china as a country and culture and group thousands of years to allow women into society to then to allow them to vote 
I mean, not that there's a big minority community in China, but even just accepting them as other mm-hmm. people. Yeah. They were extremely, most of the East, you know, Japan, China was extremely isolationist yeah. until probably about the mid 1800s. So I think in considering in our 200, almost 300 year history that we've been able to do so much is because of the fact that we are based on these values. But when people start to erode those values, you see, you can see already in the strains on society. It, it's kind of a hard parallel to draw, but if you look at like the fall of the Roman empire and other big empires that have fallen into history, it's gone down the same path. It's really disciplined, really based on a solid set of values, not Christianity, but at least something people could rally around, right? People rallied around the Greek and Roman gods, you know, the pagan, you know, Vikings, those societies, they had something strong they can rally around. But when they pretty much got set as a society, right? You know, Roman empire reached its peak. Mm. Uh, I don't even know how many, how big it was, but you know, the general area, Mediterranean, most of Persia, some of the middle East. Yeah. They reached their peak because they were based on those values. And then all of a sudden they reached there and they're like, okay, well, let's see. We're not going to get any bigger realistically. Complacency. They started getting complacent. Yeah. That's when you started to see them lose battles, more civil unrest. You saw more progressive social things. I mean, I know progressivism back then and now are different, but even for then, progressive things were happening in society. And slowly and slowly, Roman Empire lost land. And then they, oh, we got to split into two to even survive. Then the Western Roman Empire falls. Mm -hmm. And then that's actually interesting is because the East, the Byzantines, they reformed around Christianity, which is why they lasted so much longer than their Western counterparts. I think I took an AP history class. It was 1453. They were conquered by the Mongols. All right. So I think it was the... Ottomans, but uh, you right, it was the Ottomans. Dang it! But uh, <laughs> my, my teacher, my teacher would be upset with me. But uh, yeah, you're right. They they got conquered. I mean, fairly recently in history, grand scheme yeah. of things, considering they were founded in, you know, in ancient before, Rome, before yeah. Christ, yeah. lasting 1400 years. So when you look, even considering that parallel between the West and the East, okay, well, the Byzantines probably these, you know, they were the Catholics. They were the early Catholic church. You know, many of the church fathers before, you know, it moved to Rome and everything when they retook that land. But, um, yeah, keeping such a strong faith and a strong set of values is what has allowed them to survive basically on their own for so long. And when you look at America and you see our values are being eroded, even, even if you're not a Christian, but you, value yourself around the freedom and you know american ideals like that like liberty freedom right to own property right to you know do all these different things Mm -hmm. when you start even seeing stuff like that erode let alone christian ideals then you see oh crap that was really the glue holding us together was all the so yeah it's it's kind of hard to start seeing with this that's interesting that you you compare those two that's you made a very strong comparison you know i think a lot of people don't see it that way which they should what what would your what would creighton's tips on how to avoid that like how do we fix this uh deterioration of faith and morals and how do we get back to our roots 
honestly, uh, I mean, I hate, I don't know if this is news you want to be hearing, but I feel like we've reached a critical mass point here, especially coming up on a, an election cycle that if it, if we, if Republicans, I say that because, you know, that's who Christians really mostly identify with, but Christians as a group, if we do not win, I mean, it's over because it, people have become too divided. However, it's not over, over. We're still a nation. Still yeah. things can be fixed. So I guess my tips would, I get Christian, Christian ideals, love your neighbor. I mean, I feel like people are so divisive and eager to one up each other when it comes to social issues and stuff like that nowadays. I think we've forgotten that we're all human beings and that, you know, you go through stuff. I go through stuff. So does your neighbor. If we're all there to care for one another and love one another, then it's not going to fix everything. Of course it's not, but being more compassionate towards others is something I think a lot of people have forgotten. And I think we need a lot more of in our nation. Um, People have just become too angry. Um, at each other it's just it's awful to see some of the just vitriolic attacks on people to spoon yeah. all across the internet even to people locally i mean a lot i've seen a lot of people uh for friends of mine i guess you say um and just talking to other former friends and stuff like that over the internet since we've been back in columbia and all this stuff has started and they've just been you know you might be friends with somebody for 12 years through high school and then you see them on instagram just absolutely destroying someone because they didn't say something they'd agree with and they can't be associated anymore with them. So they have to just, just destroy it. Like they didn't bother to go talk it out with a friend and say, Hey man, why are you thinking that? Yeah. They didn't bother to have a cordial conversation with them before they decided to just completely cut things off. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what we're trying to do here. Would you say like, we're trying yeah. to get people, you know, preferably our age to actually discuss things instead of doing what you described, like on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and just being mean to each other and saying you're stupid and I'm right. And it's, I just downloaded Twitter, dude. You're so right. I'm, I did it for the podcast at America Sweethearts podcast. Yeah, I, I got it deleted, dude. I, I got to give it over Luke. Cause yeah, like, no, it's such, so it's such a pool of just self-destructive behavior. It's honestly it really awful is. to see just people. I mean, it's, it's awful. I, I really am trying to get off social media nowadays. It's just unhealthy <laughs> yeah. to be on, but I think, what many people don't get is that, or don't see at least, maybe they get it, they just don't understand it, is that most Christians, most people on the right, view leftists and Democrats as good people, Americans, just with bad ideas. They just don't have their heart in the right place, they're not thinking or anything. The problem is that the left and Democrats think we are bad people with awful ideas, and they won't stand for our existence anymore. Yeah. They, they just... Yeah they refuse to even accept that there are people who have contradictory opinions. Mm -hmm. So that's why they have such a violent response to it. Cause they're like, I don't even understand. Oh my gosh, you read the Bible, you go to church, you believe this and that. That's just so completely backwards. It's 2020, man. Why don't you just yeah, grow up? Yeah, exactly. It's out. Of, in, yeah. This whole idea of sort of silencing dissenting opinions that you don't like. Uh, it's a real problem because and even even if you agree on something, like if, if say I was I was talking to a friend about uh, what happened to George Floyd, and everyone agrees it's a horrible situation, shouldn't have happened. Right. The officer is being charged with murder as he should be. 
he should go away for a long time. Um, yeah. So everyone agrees on that. And so I was coming from the perspective that, yes, it happened. It was a terrible thing that happened. Police brutality in general, of the 50 million plus police interactions that happen per year, it's, it's, a, it's an incredibly rare instance. Um, and that I said, I said on the side that, of course, there will always be terrible people. There will always be racists in the world. We can't, we can't do, we can't eliminate that. There will always be sucky people. And the person took that as, how are you possibly defending this ideology? Right, and I was like, yeah. I'm, I am not. I'm not simply not. acknowledging the existence of it. <laughs> right, like it's, exactly. It's, it's something that will never change, but it's something that we should oppose in every way. And people see that as you justifying it. as justifying it or just sort of accepting it as something that's okay. Just because yeah, I say it's always going to exist. Yeah, people don't understand the difference between, I mean, it exists in our society. We have to live with it and I'm fine with it. That's what I believe. Like you were saying, it's, I, I've, I find it interesting that a lot of people, I, I really do. There's something about 5%. I swear it's like some mystical number. Yeah. It's like, it permeates everything I swear. But like 95% of cops are just good people, right? They're trying yeah. to make a positive change to the community. And there's 5% that are going to be bad people. Mm-hmm. People, a lot of people on Twitter, unfortunately, you know, just reading the dis- deluge of news and just constant yeah. mind screwery, you know, to not use the other word. But um, <laughs> uh, anyway, to just deluge your mind with just nonsense, you know, over Twitter constantly. But they've been saying, oh, well, policing is a job that, you know, everyone has to be, it's not a job that you can afford to make mistakes in because mm-hmm. someone's life's at stake, which is yeah. true. You know, yes. you don't want to mistreat people. That's obviously bad. It should be punished. Like we were saying, but the, what they implied and then said later in another tweet was that this doesn't happen in other professions, which if you just look at it from a purely statistical, if I pulled up a list of how many doctors there were in the world, or let's just even say the U S and then how many like operations or surgeries, whatever they did, in a, a year and then compare the list to how many people died or were injured due to malpractice next to them. I think it'd be far greater than the rate of police brutality in the nation. Yeah. I actually, I actually looked that up when we were talk, talking about police brutality. Cause that's a lot of, a lot of what we see going around is nurses don't make these mistakes or doctors don't make these mistakes. They do. They do. The numbers actually, it's almost yearly, um, the numbers are around 200 to 250,000 people die yeah, from medical was... malpractice, not necessarily intentional, but just a surgery goes wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, something, there's a mis- <clears throat> miscalculation with the medicine and that, that person dies. And that's about 200 to 250 times higher than the number of police officers that kill people every year. Right. Justified or not. Considering- that's even considering the people that were like shooting at the cops. They had yeah, to like yeah. shoot. If you look at the number of like unarmed people who died to cops, it remarkably low. It was like nine people, I think. Yeah. Obviously awful. It should be lower. But I mean, when you consider the amount of interactions, it's like nine inter- police interactions out of what do you say, like 50 million? It, it's, I, there were 10 million arrests. So I would yeah, assume it's, it's safe to say it probably at least 50 million because I, mean, I don't, because most arrests or most interactions don't, don't yeah, result don't. in arrest. 
So I've seen numbers as high as 300 million. I've seen numbers in the 150 millions. So I'm just going to say at least 50 million. Honestly, I'm doing that math right now. That's 0.0000009% of all police interactions would involve, and that's considering the 10 million number of arrests you said, not yeah. even the, probably way, way more of just, mm. you know, traffic stops or whatever, but yeah. it, it's so statistically insignificant. It should be, you should always punish these occurrences when they happen, of course, yes. but it's so statistically insignificant on the grand scheme of things when you compare it to, why aren't you guys pushing for reform for, you know, doctors renewing their medical yeah. license? Why aren't you pushing for that to be more often mm. to stop? all these people dying or why aren't you trying to deal with opioid abuse? You know, pharmacists yeah. over prescribing opioids in rural communities. Why, why is why probably is the least statistical occurrence out of like all of these awful things that happen, your yeah. biggest focus. I don't understand that. It's weird. It's like, like we're society's literally villainizing the heroes, which is such a tragic and sick thing to do. I think, like I said, majority of cops are great people. Mm-hmm. I've gotten pulled over a few times for speeding. Full disclosure, but they've they've been to stay off the roads in <laughs> But I've always had I've always been respectful to cops, and they've always been respectful to me when they see you know I've got my license, registration, insurance ready to hand to them. Mm-hmm. And then okay, thanks for the warning, officer. I'll be on my way. The interaction over. I know obviously there are a lot of situations that are way more tense than just mm-hmm. yeah, a traffic stop. Yeah, but. I feel like, obviously, you know, you're not gonna have time to be respectful to a violent armed robber, but yeah. for the majority of people, their interactions with cops are similar things like that. So, yeah. respect goes a long way when it comes to dealing with police. I mean, reduce charges, you know, warnings instead of a ticket, reduce tickets. Like so yeah. many, there's so there's little to no harm. And just being respectful to it. You may hate cops, which is fine. You're allowed to have that opinion. If you, even if you hate cops, you have to see the benefit in just being respectful yeah. to them when you're in the situation because it does nothing but benefit you. Mm-hmm. A cop shows up to your window and you say, you know, fuck off 12, you know, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you're automatically just starting off on the wrong foot with them. Yeah. Why, you know, he's in control right in that situation, regardless of your opinion of it, he is in control of the situation through his legal authority at that time. So yeah. why are you bothering to pick needless fights with people who could send you to jail for, you know, resisting or whatever for and obstruction. Not, yeah. And the police officer is already in a tense position because he has to walk up on a, a car that he doesn't know who's driving it. He doesn't know what the situation is. He doesn't know if there's a guy pointing a gun at the window. He doesn't know if, there's somebody in the back. If seat. there's someone in the back seat, or if no he doesn't know anything about the situation, so he's already tense, already on edge, and the idea that the first thing you're going to do is make the situation worse is not—it's just not right. a good idea. I mean, it's an awesome video. I think right after the Freddie Gray killings in Baltimore back in yeah. 2015, where this journalist—he was like a local news reporter—went to his local police department, and they sent him through a day of training as a police officer. And the one of the training exercises they did was that he had played the police officer and they had a police officer play like somebody he was trying to come talk to. And he would, you know, randomly, the guy he was talking to would pull out a fake gun, you know, point it at him and go, blam, blam, you're dead. And so it was trying to like teach him the fact that 
you would never know. You have to be so careful going to situations. Like he would, and the I think the journalist like shot an innocent guy like three or four times during the exercise. <laughs> we, we, it was just so funny to see because yeah. he was, he wasn't, it was pretty independent dude. He's not like he was biased, but it was interesting to see the analysis that it's way harder to see the situation. You, you can never predict what, yeah. you know, the nicest white person on the street might be a sadistic killer and the most thug looking, just ganged up, tattooed white, you know, he's got a swastika on his head type dude might like, you know, take care of kittens, you know, in his free time or something, you know, reformed or whatever. But, but I don't know about the swastika. Yeah, I, don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. I treat my point of like the most violent looking person yeah. that you might see, you know, you can't, you know, it might put you on edge, but you don't know what's going to happen. And the most innocent looking old white lady you know, you might pull over and then she, you're like, Hey, how you doing, ma'am? And she's waiting there with a you know, gun to shoot you. So it's like, yeah. you never know what's going to happen. It's very tense. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's harder being a cop. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe there's, there's a statistic out there that cops actually have a 12.5 times more likely chance to get shot by a criminal than vice versa. I heard numbers closer yeah. to 18, but 12 18? and a half. Yeah. It probably is 18. I'm just doing it off the top of my head. Look it up, but it's so dangerous yeah, it's, to be a cop. It's very dangerous. I think a lot of people don't understand that these these use of force incidents are just so rare that a cop even most of the time has to retaliate. Most, most of these times are like, well, crap, he shot at me and now he's running away. So, you know, I'm okay. Guess we just got to go chase him now. Like, it's not like, I, I don't know if people have this conception that cops are like coming up, like ready to just draw and just shoot them. You know, when they like, sorry, man, finding my driver's license, they just shoot them. Like no, it's. Were you? Did you hear about the uh, the incident? Not incident, but the the killing in Atlanta um, with Richard Brooks. Uh yeah. Yeah. So have you seen the full tape on that? I have watched that actually. Yeah. Okay. So. On that, yeah. Yeah. So the idea that he fell asleep in the drive-through was inebriated um, beyond the he shouldn't have been driving it in any way, but he failed field sobriety test, failed the breathalyzer test. Um, and so they ran his plates, very long list of priors, um, including right. child abuse. Um, so, okay, we're going to arrest this guy and yeah. go to arrest him. And then fight, the fight breaks out, beats, beats both of the cops terribly, um, yeah. takes a taser and then starts running away, points the taser back at the officers and fires a taser. And only then is he shot. I think that. Again, it's a tragic situation, but I think the use of force was justified there. Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. Justified kill. So, yeah. so to say that that officer deserved to be fired like he was, and they brought charges against him. I, I, no, I don't think yeah, they wanted they, death. They, 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 they wanted, wanted yeah. twelve charges against him. Yeah, like fe- they they, they wanted like felony murder. They yeah. wanted death row for yeah, felony murder. Yeah, and I yeah, I don't ridiculous. think those will hold up in court. No, um, but. No, it's going to be even worse for the city when he's found not guilty as yeah. he should be. Yeah. And they're just going to think it's some great injustice. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what part of a violent child abusing felon beating up two cops and then pointing a weapon at them and firing it point blank into somebody's face or trying to, it didn't hit the cop no. and then being shot. No matter the race, you're, what do you expect is going to happen? Yeah. What, what, like, what, what would you have preferred the officers to do? Ah, oh, darn it. He got away. They, they like, tried everything. They tried 
subduing him with their bare hands. He wasn't doing it. They tried tasing him. You know, mm-hmm. many times tasers do, don't work on people. Sometimes they yeah. can get their skin, clothes. You know, sometimes they're just built different. Yeah. Just walk it off. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, That's but a great mentality. If you get to walk it <laughs> yeah. off. But uh, some people, some people do. So they tried everything they can, and then even yeah. then, let's be honest. Do you, I really don't think they would have shot him if he hadn't then also stolen an officer's taser and pointed yeah. it at him. Yeah, I don't think they would. I mean, the funny thing, the funny thing about it, I was watching. I know I don't get my news just from you guys watching another podcast. So don't, don't <laughs> get, ju- them yeah. get them all. <laughs> yeah, I know. My bad. My bad. But it was a, another podcast and they were mentioning the fact that the district attorney that charged the officer with all these crimes had two weeks ago proven or tried to bring up in court that a taser was a deadly weapon. And so it, uh, I don't know, this is very hypocritical that now he's like, well, yeah, taser is a deadly weapon. And also, you know, he no pointed an officer's a he, at somebody's pointing a taser. Right. So I think, the cops defense will most likely bring that up. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, I believe the district attorney in that case was just completely biased. You know, he, oh, he yeah. saw it happen during this whole situation. and was like, I can't, they're going to be mad at me if yeah. I don't do anything. He, I mean, he's looking it's, for reelection. It, let's be honest. Yeah. And so see a lot, of, I think a lot of what we see, dang, I'm, I'm really hitting these religious references. Um, a lot of what we see with politicians is what Pontius Pilate did. I know it's not right. But if I don't do this, I'm gonna get fired, yeah. or I'm not gonna get reelected. So I'm gonna do what the mob wants. I'm gonna do what the the five, ten, fifteen percent of people that are the loudest and that yeah. kick and scream about everything. Because the people that the people the overwhelming majority silence majority of Americans, yeah, the silent majority of Americans aren't flamboyant on Twitter, aren't posting everything. They're they working nine they to five. They're providing for their families, and they're just. They're putting in overtime. They're trying to make enough money to go on vacation this year. Or they have right. other th- not not that these things aren't important, but they have more individual things to worry about. Yeah, that's why they never saw Trump winning in 2016 because yeah. these people people they weren't going to poll somebody in the middle of Topeka, Kansas. Is yeah. that even a city in Kansas? I think it's a city. I think in Kansas. it is. Yeah, it sounds like a city. I think it is. Yeah. It, what, anyway, middle of like what you know. Remember the whole debacle of like. Hillary Clinton calling it flyover country and oh, just States, yeah. yeah and all that I mean it's a general term but then she yeah. just kind of used it kind of yeah uh, very rudely so I mean they're pulling people in the cities and yeah. sure in the middle of you know urban Columbia or New York or Los yeah. Angeles you're gonna have Democratic supporters and they're like oh 99% chance Hillary wins no no mm-hmm. contest and then all of a sudden it doesn't happen and they're like losing their minds because they yeah. don't understand how that could happen and I honestly think, you know, I don't 100% support Trump on everything he does. I, you shouldn't yeah. do that with any person or any politician because mm-hmm. you know, they're always going to do something screwed up. But um, I think it, I think he's probably going to win again in 2020, mainly because of the same reasons. They're not polling in states that – I say matter. All states equally matter. But you know what I mean. Like the states mm-hmm. that mattered in the election, you know, you polled all these big – you know, flip flop, flip floppy states. Yeah. And you didn't go to the ones where you thought you for sure, you know, Pennsylvania, for like the first time in forever. Yeah. Voted red. Yeah. It was, that was like, I remember on election night, 2016, I was 15 years old, 14, 
Yeah, I wasn't even June. I was 14 at the time. 14 hey, sitting there. How are, you, how are you in college? My birthday is in uh, June. Um, anyway, my point is, I was 14 at the time. <laughs> oh, wait, no, that was, I was 15, regardless. Yeah, 15, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, I was doing my math wrong. Um, so I was 15 at the time, sitting there on my computer, three o'clock in the morning on a school night, watching these election results come in. And I was yeah. just, even then, I didn't even have anywhere near the grasp of politics. I mean, I still don't, you know, I obviously don't have a perfect grasp now. That's not what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. But I was even more politically inexperienced back then than I am now. And just looking at that, I was like, oh my gosh, Pennsylvania went red. They said Florida was going to go blue. Florida's red. Yeah. You know, Virginia's red. What, you know, what happened there? Mm-hmm. And just seeing all these states that they swore, swore they, Hillary didn't even bother campaigning in. Yeah. Were it going red? She was just listening to her most vocal majority, which even I never have any ambitions to run for office, but why would I want to go campaign to people I know are going to vote for me? Yeah. I would want to go campaign I mean, to people that yeah. don't. So, but she, I guess, just wanted the donation money that she yeah. you know, seriously ran off with after the election. <laughs> but uh, so she went to Los Angeles. She went to, <laughs> yeah. you know, all these big cities and campaigned. And it's like, go to, you know, you didn't start going to Iowa till the caucus started becoming important. And by yeah. then, you know, Trump had already won the hearts of the, most of the people there. You know, yeah. he's... You know, he's presented himself as the everyman who, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of his actual policies now, it's at the time, you know, he was presenting himself as the, like you said, the uh, speaker for the silent majority. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people just drew to that. They saw, oh my gosh, I'm this regular nine to five guy. These politicians keep ignoring me for this small majority of people or minority of people that are super loud and just making yeah. so yeah. much political noise and, you know, noise on social media. Because if you actually look at the metrics, Twitter, like only like 10% of Americans on Twitter. Yeah. You know, and so if only 5%, if only 50% of Twitter is liberal, and then that's 10%, you know, do the math. Yeah. Very, very, very small minority. These politicians are only listening to this very vocal minority. But here's this guy, you know, I'm just a farmer. You know, I'm just working to pay off my debt to the bank and send my daughter to college for a better life and try to, like you said, save up for the vacation. And here's this guy who's saying he's going to fight for me as the everyman. Of course, I'm going to vote for him. Of course, I'm going to, you know, support for him, fight, you know, do all these things for him. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. yeah so going along with the campaigning um, in big cities, um, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote but Trump won the Electoral College. What are your thoughts on the Electoral College? Do you think it's still necessary? Do you think it's outdated? Do you think it's unfair? Honestly, uh, my prediction right now is, write this down, I guess, record for posterity. I guess you are. But um, if (laughs) if Biden wins the election this coming year, most likely they already have control of the House. They'll most likely win control of the Senate too, if he wins. You know, people are running on his ticket. If... They have full control. I fully guarantee if they control all three, then, I mean, let's be honest, Supreme Court, John, John Roberts is basically a liberal. He has not voted uh, worst nomination by of all time. Just awful. But if they have control of all three branches of government and both houses of the legislator and the president, you know, they have control of everything. Electoral college would be gone. They've already said they're going to come out do you can get rid of the filibuster? Yeah. So you just need a simple majority in the Senate now and not mm-hmm. two thirds. Mm-hmm. Electoral college will be gone. It's going to disappear. Do you think that's worth, oh, go ahead. 
I, I think it's necessary because it prevents. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's kind of weird because we're like agreeing on everything. So I feel like yeah. we're just, uh, anyways, I think it is necessary because the, the founding fathers were like, I think visionary in this one aspect of that. It can prevent mob rule. May, some people are just, let's be honest, are not qualified to vote on both sides. People are just following, you know, what they've been told. Both sides happens. And I think I think we've got to make a clear distinction on qualified and informed. Like I, right. I think, yeah, yeah. it's, I mean, it's, it's your it's right to. Yeah, 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 I know, I know that's what you meant. It's just I don't want people like slandering you saying you're not qualified. No, 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 yeah, yeah. That's what I should have used. Yeah, is people good. that you know have thought about their decisions. Okay, well. Democrats have more policies aligned, but I think but I'm going to vote for them. And oh, next election is Republicans. So they vote consciously, you know, not just mm-hmm. party lines or whatever. Yeah. Or maybe they do. It doesn't matter. But they're just informed about the issues and vote how they want. But some people just aren't. You know, they're these yeah. people that they're the people that we were talking about earlier that are brainwashed by these big figures and they're just listening to what they say. And mob mentality you know oh my gosh we need to do this we need to do you know they want to make dc a state now the and that would give the democratic we republicans would never see a majority again Mm -hmm. ever if they got dc and guam i think they were fighting for yeah Puerto Rico. yeah the the, all the commonwealth territories yeah (laughs) but uh if, if they did all these things you know, they wouldn't need the electoral college. They yeah. just win off the popular vote every time, which I feel like if there's a, I saw a map actually, it was pretty interesting uh, on the Drudge Report that someone made a map where you could only have 28, per, like 28.8% of the popular vote and win off the electoral college. Like mm-hmm. if you won in the States, it was some weird like setup. It's really kind of janky. If you win like, if you win like half of all the smaller states and then, you lose right, you every vote in all the big states, states. Yeah. Which don't have like most of the populations, California, yeah. Texas, yeah, uh, New York. Um so I mean that I think is a bit of a problem. if you have twenty eight percent of the popular vote and you win, I mean that's, that's, I feel like that's kind of a line. But at the same time, I feel I feel like sort of in order for that to happen, you would need entire states. You you need to not have a single vote in ever gonna happen it's not realistic yeah. but it just kind of highlights one of the problems that there can yeah. be a huge disparity between the two mm-hmm. but the thing is is that that's good we need to have a disparity between the popular vote and what states and areas vote because yeah. when you look and I did another one of hillary's mistakes she thought she could use the same platform everywhere Trump realizes he can campaign to the farmers just as well as he can to like suburbanites like me and you. Mm -hmm. So you can't have the same policy for everywhere. And when people in area want to group vote together, you know, South Carolina, Georgia is going to be different in the South than it is in the North. Yes. And I think, I I don't necessarily think you mean policy. Again, I'm sorry. I don't want to want people to come after you and say, well, you change your policies based on who you're talking to. No, not change your policies, more change your pitch because people will find like different things more important. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. You should definitely. Consistent policies. I'm talking about like just their appeal. I I know that's what you meant. I just wanted to make it clear for. 
Right. Yeah. No. Sorry. The internet can be very unforgiving. Right. I I should probably specify these things a little bit more, but um, you're all good. Yeah, I just think it's good and you need to protect from mob rule because sometimes mob rule is great. Sometimes it has great ideas, but let's be honest, 90% of the time it is some awful idea that was just, you know, you know how the birds feed each other when they're young and like the mom just like vomits into their mouth. That's what it is. Like they're just vomiting ideas in people's (laughs) mouths and they're just like, oh my gosh, this is so great. UBI, high tax for the rich. Ah, so amazing. No electoral college. I mean, it's just, it's awful. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we don't need that. And it protects against that. So, oh, yeah, that was actually a very good comparison. So, you think, uh, you think Trump's going to win the next election, you said? Yeah, I, I do think so. I think, um, I think they're underestimating him again and his staying sure. power with a lot of people. I, I think people don't get a lot. I think most Democrats, or at least Democratic pundits, they think, oh my gosh, Trump's done so many of these awful things. None of his supporters will support him. But I don't think they get that his supporters don't view them as awful things. They're awful things to Democrats. Wow, you made it this far? That's incredible. Hey, if you enjoyed the video, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, and stay tuned for more content. Thanks for watching.